Okay. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I guess we're not getting the news in front of the show. Uh, I may have gotten a notice of that somewhere, but I don't know. But I guess we're going straight on the air after we finish the uh, other blog talk. And we'll have to be a little quicker next time. Uh, the uh, uh, show's topic, as I announced on the newsletter, is uh, the Saul Syndrome. And uh, we mentioned a little bit about what that is. And, of course, I'm going to give you – we've got two hours here, and we'll we'll start taking calls, uh, hopefully here within the first uh, – or maybe at the end of the first half hour. But I'm going to set a scene here and realize that mankind has the same problems from the beginning to the end and the same solution – has always been there from the beginning to the end. And Christ was the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end solution, the beginning and end salvation. And there's a character to Christ. We we refer to that as the name of Christ. And you need to be doing things according to the character of Christ. And Peter honored what he said even though he had no contract or agreement but he said my master pays the tax and Jesus went so far as to honor what he said as well even though Jesus had no contract to do what Peter says but they just had it stated when he was asked are are you one of the ones that paid the tax because evidently there were some that didn't pay the tax and so he didn't know does your master pay the tax and who had to pay the tax. And if you understand the history, the, the tax you had to pay was because you had signed up. You had made an agreement. You had gotten the baptism of Herod, and therefore you had to pay the tax. And so does your did your master get the baptism of Herod? And why would he ask that? Because most of the people got the baptism of Herod. But there were some out there who were not operating their government by force and coercion. They were operating their government as it was meant to be operated, by faith, hope, and charity. And one of those who was doing this was John the Baptist, who also was baptizing people. Herod was baptizing people, had ministers going all over the Roman world, all over Judea, even in Samaria, baptizing people into the kingdom of God, where they would sign up to a social welfare program which they refer to as Corbin, the offering that you gave in that social welfare program was called Corbin, but they accounted it. You know, they wrote down, you paid this much, and what you paid was determined by statute. It had been this way since 78 B.C. Even before Herod, it had been this way, but Herod had created this grander scheme where he was getting people baptized all over the place, had all kinds of money rolling in, and he was building his crystal cathedral, his golden cathedrals, or whatever you want to call them, his big church buildings, his big government church buildings. And he built uh, one uh, called the temple, and another one that was a temple also, but it was a temple to Roma, the goddess of Roma. 
and uh, that was for people who didn't want to do the Torah thing. But it was still a baptism of Herod, where you joined this social welfare scheme through baptism, and you were signed up. And you had to pay in. And those were the ones who paid the tax. Because they had to pay in, because they had signed up for this no longer free will offering, but this sacrifice that was compelled. And Jesus talks about that later when he talks about the Corbin of the Pharisees making the word of God to none effect, because it was now compelled. And even worse, it wasn't that they paid it. The, the worst thing about it, or, or at least one of the major problems with this Corbin, where you had to pay in, and it brought lots of money in. They were able to build this big golden temple and, and provide lots of welfare benefits for the needy, and they were taking care of the needy of their society, but they were not doing it like John the Baptist. If you have two coats, share it. If, you, if your neighbor has a need, provide for that need accordingly by free will offerings as they had done in the days of Moses in the Holy Scriptures. There's two places it talks about Holy Scriptures in the Bible. Two places you'll find that translation is Holy Scripture. The interesting thing is the word holy there is two different, completely different words in the Greek. But it's Holy Scripture in these two different verses. But it's clearly that they're talking not about the Bible you have, but about the Torah, the Old Testament part of the Bible. Because the New Testament wasn't in existence yet. Hadn't yet been written. It hadn't been yet compiled into a single book. So when they're talking about the Holy Scripture, they're talking about the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there were ten laws that you had to follow. And Jesus told you that you had to follow those laws. You had to be a doer of those laws and obey those laws. And he said, even if, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. But modern church, oh, you don't have to do that. Just believe. And what... What that modern church is doing is exactly what the devil did in the garden. You can decide for yourself what is good and evil. As long as you believe, you're saved. But Jesus is, and we will show you that. Jesus is very clear. John the Baptist is very clear that you need to be a doer of the word. Over and over and over again, Jesus says you have to be a doer. You will be a doer. You won't have a problem with being a doer. But modern churches, you, no, you don't have to be. Oh, it's nice if you do, but all you have to do is believe. But that's not what John the Baptist said. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus talks about the guy who gets a talent and doesn't do anything with it. He believes that God is powerful. He believes that God has the right to judge. But he doesn't do anything with what he's given. And it's taken away. And given to another. Because he wasn't a doer. We know who is a believer by the fact that they're doing the word. They're keeping their word. They're honoring their agreements. They're, they're uh, taking care of the needy of their society by faith, hope, and charity. They're not taking care of the needy of everybody's society. <laughs> they're taking care of the needy of their society. Now, they may help others, 
But their first obligation is the needy of their society. First their own congregation and then the congregations all about them that are gathering together in his name. Not gathering together in the name of the Pharisees. Not gathering in the name of Herod, forcing their neighbors to contribute to their welfare, but actually providing all their welfare needs through faith, hope, and charity. There's a miracle of a society. There's a peculiar people. The people who don't do that who just want to go off and have their own little congregations and boast about the fact that they they give here and they give there. Those are not following what Christ said. Christ said, seek ye first the kingdom, not the congregation. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now, one of the ways you do that is to form congregations because you can't efficiently efficiently take care of one another unless you have a congregation because you need a minister who's checking on people and then checking back with you. Yeah, I checked on all these people. And, and so-and-so has a problem, so he's he's going to say, okay, uh, I, I need uh, this problem solved. I need this thing resolved. Or somebody said they were going to do this and they haven't done it yet, and I'm going to remind them to do it. And that's how you build relationships is they, they soon know who honors their agreements. They don't say, oh, he didn't do what I said, so I'm just not going to have anything to do with him. No, he brings it to him and says, you know, you forgot to do this. Oh, my gosh, did I forget to do that? I thought I didn't forget to do that. Let me do that. But he just secretly, oh, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. But I don't tell him. I don't confront him. I don't bring it to his attention. I don't see if maybe he's just neglected or oversight or whatever. I just don't even bring it up. But I'll hold it against him. I'll dishonor all my agreements because he didn't do what he said he was going to do or he didn't do what I wanted him to do. You know, he didn't have to do it. But I'm going to use that as leverage so that I don't have to do what I did say I was going to do. You see how that works? And how do people get to that point? As well, they don't really have Christ in them. They'll have something in them. There'll be a spirit in them. But they'll use it as a counterfeit. And this, of course, is what we saw way back at the beginning when Cain went out of the presence of the Lord. He had to create another religion. He had to create another system. And he created a city-state to take care of one another. He, he wanted people to look up to him because he didn't have God in his heart. If he didn't have people looking up to him, he would have been all drained and exhausted and wore out real quick. He needed to have people look up to him. And so who did he need to do that? He had to find other people that had gone out of the presence of God, other people who did not aren't faithful to the ways of God and don't mind deciding for themselves. But in such a system, you have to have a hierarchy of authority and you have to give power to one man over another and why would anybody do that well it's really simple if I give you power over me will you give me power over him <laughs> if I give you power to take something from me will you take something from all my other neighbors to provide for my needs if I have needs because I, I don't want to do this live by faith thing I want to live by force. 
but I want to be higher up in the pyramids that I can force others beneath me. I can become a bureaucrat and force other people to do my will. And that's why you see this constantly in large bureaucracies where, you know, one guy gets kicked and he goes and kicks another guy and he goes and kicks, you know, you don't want to be the low man on the totem pole's dog. That's why we see, you know, fathers killing their children today or wives killing their children today. It's because they've been beat up so bad themselves they have to beat up somebody else in order to have life because they have no life of their own. That's where it goes once you go out of the presence of God. It goes completely in the opposite direction of God. And like Adam, who sinned, instead of having the humility to fall down on his face and say, Lord, I have sinned against you, which you could already see that he was going the wrong way because he wanted to decide for himself what is good and evil. He did not want to let God show him. not going to show me. I know what is good and evil. I'm going to decide for myself. He's already taken the road to pride and vanity and destruction. But then all of a sudden he's cut off from the source of life because he cut himself off. So now he feels drained. He feels frightened. He feels naked. And he has to flee and hide. This is the beginning of sin. But now you will see this repeated over and over, and we'll go all the way up to Saul and show you how this works. Cain did the same thing. He was a plower, a tiller of the soil, of the Adama that man is made from. He wasn't a shepherd. He forced the ground to give up what he wanted, the earth, the Adama, mankind. He forced it. He plowed it. He, he cut through it by force. And he created a system where you had to pay in. He became the fountainhead of justice, the ruler over the people. Nimrod, same thing. Lamech, the same thing. Pharaoh, the same thing. Now, the first Pharaoh, he didn't seek to be the ruler over the people. He was rich. He was powerful. He had authority. But he became the ruler over the people when there was a famine and they didn't have their own provisions. They couldn't provide for one another. Even if they were a charitable people, they didn't have anything to give to each other. All their wealth was gone, like it's going to be gone in America real soon, in the whole world real soon. They don't have any more wealth. It's gone. They've already thrown their gold and silver in the streets. They've thrown away their right to own property because they went and prayed and begged of the benefactors who exercise authority, provide for me if I have a need. I will bow down if you will provide for me if I have a need. They've all gone to the city of Cain, and now they're in the city of Cain. They're in Babylon the Great. And they say, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm just going to dishonor all my agreements. I'm just going to throw them all out because I don't have a common law contract with you. 
You didn't spell this out. Well, they did spell it out. But you never looked it up. You never read the fine print. You signed the contract. You went to public schools. You took all the benefits. Try to make a living without the number. They don't want you around. You make them feel guilty. <laughs> but they should be guilty. Why do you think they crucified Christ? He made them feel guilty. They don't want to feel guilty. They don't want to see the light. Anybody who speaks the truth, they got to get rid of them. They got to crucify him. They got to defame him. They got to say bad things about him. They got to do bad things to him. Because they hate the light. They flee the light. They run from the light. But the good news is, is the light is getting brighter. <laughs> but the world is getting darker. Because the world is fleeing the light. That's why you have to have all these uh, distractions. TVs and stereos and music and drugs and what have you. Food. All these things are addictions. You need those things to give you life because you have no life in you. Stop fleeing the light. Turn around. Face the light and face the truth about yourself. You're a sinner. You're a bum. You're terrible. Get over it. Stop judging yourself. Let God judge you. Receive the light. Bathe in the light. Accept the light. Shut up. <laughs> Stop arguing with God and making excuses. Stop turning your back on the light and see you're in this situation because you screwed up. You were not diligent in seeking the ways of God. You can change that. You can't change the world, but you can change that. So what does the kingdom look like? It's men who care as much about their neighbor as they do themselves, so they are not going to be coveting their neighbor's goods. It's men who look to God in faith to provide them with a need while they diligently are doers of the word, even though they know they can't do enough. What is coming to this country? You cannot do enough to survive. You can't stock up enough beans. You can't stock up enough ammunition. You can't stock up enough water to survive. You cannot do it. You can do those things, but you cannot do enough. Can you turn back the clock of aging? Do you have the knowledge of how to survive? Do you know, should I turn left or right at the next corner? You won't know that unless you're plugged into the Holy Spirit, and you cannot plug into the Holy Spirit unless you realize that you don't know that and accept the fact that you cannot decide what is good and evil. You cannot decide what is the best way to go. You cannot decide what is right for you or for anybody else. You can seek it. You can strive in that direction but you need to do so with a humble heart and, you, and evidence that you don't have that humble heart is that you don't honor 
your agreements. That you are not giving with discernment. It isn't enough just to give. You have to give to strengthen the poor. The world gives, but they do not strengthen the poor. So when somebody has a need, you have to find out why do they have a need. So you can do the best thing so that they don't have the need anymore. The poor you'll have it with you always. They'll always have needs. You will never, you, you want to find somebody who's hungry or needy, we can find them everywhere. But can we find people who want to move to a state of spiritual and mental understanding where they no longer have a need that has to be filled from outside, that the need is filled from inside, from the kingdom, inside them? It's a different world. The kingdom is a different world, a different way of doing things. And you have to get there. So this Saul syndrome, let's keep going with this. We got Adam. We got Cain. Adam decided to decide for himself what was good and evil and hid from the truth that he didn't really know and that he'd cut himself off from the Holy Spirit, the tree of life. Cain decided to decide for himself what was good and evil, and he was willing to stamp out his brother in order to confirm that, and then hid from the fact that he stamped out his brother. Exercise authority over his brother. Rule over his brother. He were given dominion over the fish and of the, of the animals, but not over your brother. Cain was the first one to rule over his brother. And any kind of rulership that you wish to exercise over your brother is Cain. It is the Saul syndrome. It's going to come into place once you step in that direction. And Saul syndrome is not what you see Cain doing when he goes out of the presence of God. It's what Cain and Lamech did when they oppressed others and their schemes. And Herod, Herod killed his own son. Killed his own son. That is a step farther. Not his brother, his own son. And because supposedly his own son was usurping his authority and was willing to kill him, I guess. You see, that's the spirit that you're going to have. Betrayal. It's going to come if you go the way of exercising authority one over the other ruling over one over the other you're going to have to hide from the light you're going to have to dishonor everything this is why Jesus says be friends with the unrighteous mammon they were already caught up in the unrighteous mammon mammon's not money he's not saying be friends with he's talking about entrusted wealth and what had become what was for their welfare had become a snare and they had all become a part of this human resource system where you have to give in to provide for the needy. And men who call themselves benefactors but are really exercises of authority are forcing you to contribute to your neighbor's welfare. And this is where you go. You've given power to men to decide when and where and how much you have to give. It's no longer your choice. You're no longer under liberty. You're now under an exercising authority. 
and you thought that was okay as long as he was exercising authority on your neighbor when you were going to public school for free, when you were getting health care for free, when you were getting government benefits that were forced upon you. Uh, I shouldn't say were forced upon your neighbor that they had to give. Then it's okay to force you to give when your neighbor wants more and more and more. And, of course, that's where you've gone. So, anyway, Saul syndrome. Saul, the government at the time of Saul, was a completely free will offering government. Yeah, you were supposed to pay into the, to, the, to the Levites 10%, and then there were other contributions throughout the year that you would give. And so it, it could amount to as much as 30% in a given year of what you make. Had to go to support the government and the needy of your society in one form or another. But then the people had an idea, and the voice of the people spoke. And we're going to talk about the voice of the people, because you guys every day have committed the sin of the people who elected Saul to be their exercising authority. And we need to start repenting of that. But not only that, but we need to start following the way that was going on before they went out of the and rejected. We'll be back to keep the kingdom. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment rights media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host cause and anywhere else the spirit may lead you do all to the glory of our god and creator for his holy nation the only kingdom that will last forever thank you for listening
Now listen to me. The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar's. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government takeover of the church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, We're told by Christ to preach the kingdom of God is at hand. And the kingdom of God is the right to be ruled by God. But the right to be ruled by God is something you might have if you're seeking the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is really righteous. (laughs) It's not just a little righteous. It's righteousness itself. There's a number of... uh, people who have studied the Bible and languages and saying that that word, the righteousness of God, would be better translated the justification of God. And, of course, the justification of God is about obeying God. Now, we have the Ten Commandments to obey God, but really obeying God is eating of the tree of life, eating of the Holy Spirit, eating of that connection that we have with God where we actually daily walk with God because he is guiding our steps. He's not making us walk a certain path. He is always giving us this choice. This is the way to go. This is the way to go. This is the way to go. Now turn left. Now go right. You don't have to. You can decide for yourself. He gives us that choice. But as soon as you start deciding for yourself, you're off the path. You're on your own. You're going away from the path and the farther you go from the path sometimes it's hard to get back on the path and you know it's not it's black and white to some degree but there's kind of gray areas there where you're kind of sliding off the path and then you come back you know it's kind of like a compass you know it's going to point north but it wobbles a bit from time to time you know and things will try to set you off course and then you'll come back but if you get too far off course, you can't find your way back unless somebody comes and shows you that way back. And, of course, Christ came to show us that way back. Well, how did we get away from that? Well, I've already explained in the first part of the show that Adam decided to decide for himself, and he began to go off course. Cain went farther off course. Uh, bludgeoning his brother was just one thing that Cain did, going off and creating a city-state where that he put more people underneath himself was farther. Lamech was farther. If Cain was uh, condemned, I am sevenfold, because he did so much worse than Cain. Nimrod was the same thing. And how did Nimrod get power? He offered benefits to the people, a mighty provider instead of 
God. How does God provide you with needs? He provides through people, through blessings that come from who knows where. But he, those blessings don't come unless we're actually walking on his path. If you're walking on his path, he will lead you to the blessing. He will put you the blessings in your way because you're in his way. You're following in his way. But if you go out of that way, you're going to need to start finding ways to justify yourself, and the world is full of ways to justify yourself. And one of the ways is to enter into the city of Cain, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, the city-states where you have to pay in to your leader because he's this giant benefactor who exercises authority. And so that's where the whole world has gone. It's gone there on the watch of the modern church. The watch of the modern church has said, yeah, that's okay. Just believe. Just believe. So if we're going to just believe, what does that mean? We're just going to believe. Do, you, do you, we know? How do we know we really believe? Because we say so? And I'm going to harp on this over and over again. You don't know that somebody believes because they say so. Christ made that clear. James made that clear. Even Paul made that clear. John the Baptist made that clear. That you had to be this doer of the Word. The one satanic doctrine coming out of the modern church is that anybody who mentions doing the word is immediately smacked on the top of the head with oh we're not saved by works well I got it there's nothing we can do where God owes us salvation but works are how we know we really believe because you may think you believe because oh man I was really a great uh, moment I went up to the altar and I just felt all my sins wash away and it was just so wonderful and, and you know everybody hugged me and everything else and then you went back to the benefactors who exercised authority and said I need more benefits what was the problem with the election of Saul. Saul was a great guy, a defender of justice on his own time, his own bill. He had men that would follow him to go out and deal with evildoers, protect the innocent. Saul was a great guy. But then he was elected by the people. And sin was in Judea again in Israel again sin big way time sin why what was the sin what was the sin of Adam he rejected God he was told not to eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil the tree is there for his knowledge is there the tree of knowledge is there in the garden. It's in all of us. We have it. We're just not to eat of it. We can use it, but it is not the source. 
that shows us the path, the way. We don't decide for ourselves. The tree of knowledge is a tool. It is a talent that God gives us. And we can use it, but not as a source of guidance. You know, that's, it's a very simple concept. It's not the source of knowing what we should do in this moment or that moment. It's the tree of life that's the source that shows us the way. It is the Holy Spirit that shows us the way. The Bible does not show you the way that you have to go today. It talks about the precepts and principles, and it requires your study of the Bible to have a knowledge of the Bible and a knowledge of the men who were inspired by God who wrote the Bible. But if you filter that knowledge to you, you're eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You don't know, should I turn left or right today? Should I marry this woman or not today? Should I marry this man or not today? Should I eat this food or not today? You don't know that because you read the Bible. You don't know that because you studied. You know what you should do because the Holy Spirit guides you in the moment. And when you're guided by the Holy Spirit and you follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you are entering into the kingdom of God. You are being ruled by God because you choose to be ruled by God. And when you choose to be ruled by God, you don't choose up here in your head. That's up in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You choose down in your spirit. You don't even choose in your heart. You choose in your spirit. That's really hard for people to do because they're used to doing everything up in their head or in their heart. There's some people that the heartstrings are more powerful than the head. And other people, their their head is more powerful than their heartstrings. And some, there's it's kind of balanced. But it isn't in the head or the heart where you make that choice. It's in the spirit. And that's that's how, how do I know when I do that? I'm not I'm not familiar with that. Well, that's that's the point. You aren't living in the spirit. You're not familiar with that. So we have the Bible to show us a path, so that we have something to look like. They've had the Ten Commandments. If you're coveting your neighbor's goods, and you're not living by the Spirit of God, you're killing your neighbor. You're like making a product to eat that is not good for your neighbor. My goodness. You're killing him. If you're tempting him with foods that are bad for him, you go to an alcoholic and you buy him whiskey, you're killing him. So that's, you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. What you see going around, these the, the companies that are stealing billions of dollars and pushing us towards total bankruptcy. Corson, I guess it was the one guy. Or what, that's, uh, that's not the right name, I don't think. It's something close to that. Stole billions of dollars and is getting away with it. 
there are there are bankers in jail uh and uh finance offices in jail who did ha- hardly anything just minor infractions and they're smack dab in jail without trials and what have you but here's somebody who's openly overtly steals billions of dollars and he's still in business he's still running around doing it Billions and billions and billions of dollars have been stolen from the American people right in front of your eyes and nobody even notices. For years I have been dealing in the court systems where people have had their property and their children and their lives stolen from them by courts. The judge up here in in Bend and in Prineville stole his neighbor's property, just simply filed a deed that he owned it. Nobody signed the deed. The guy didn't sell anything to him. He just filed it. He says, it's mine now. And the guy says, well, wait a minute. I never sold you anything. I never signed anything. Well, see you in court. And the guy spent $10,000 trying to get his property back. And there was, you know, he was going to sell the property. That's why it came up. And he couldn't sell it because the judge had created a cloud on the title. And he couldn't get the cloud removed because he had to go to court. And every time he went to court, the judge just changed the venue, and the guy had to pay the lawyer more until the guy ran out of money, and he just walked away from the property, and the judge owned it. And he's still sitting on the bench, deciding good and evil for you. And all the churches are still singing in the churches. I can name the other judges. Stole millions of dollars worth of property with the conspiracy of attorneys. This has been going on since I was a small boy. My father quit the law three times because he saw this kind of corruption where people were stealing everything they could from people and strangling it out of them through the court systems. It goes on every day. But you're saved because you said you accepted Jesus. Did you? Do you daily, diligently attend to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Because if you don't, he's going to take the kingdom away from you. And he's going to give it to another. And you're not going to be one of those that might be saved. You're going to be condemned. Because you're not doing what Jesus said. You can't do enough to be saved, but if you don't do what you're supposed to be doing, you don't believe. You do not believe in Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, you'll be doing what he said. If Israel believed in God, they would not have rejected him. How did they reject God? They, The voice of the people elected Saul. Why did they elect Saul? So that he could exercise authority. Why did you elect Obama? Why did you elect... Uh, Clinton? Why did you elect Ronald Reagan? Why do you want to elect Ron Paul? Because you want him to fix it. You want him to have the authority to exercise the power to fix it. Why did they elect Saul? Do you love Paul? Ron Paul? Do you love him? then why do you wish to curse him? Why do you want to elect him 
to the position of being able to exercise authority one over the other. Do you want him to catch the Saul syndrome? What was the Saul syndrome? When he was given power by the people, he began to exercise that power, and it overcame him so that he would do injustice. First thing he did that was foolish, according to Samuel, but he imposed a tax. He forced an offering, a peace offering, from the people to supply his army. And that was foolishness. He just did it once. Just did it once. His kingdom wasn't going to stand because he had done this foolish thing. You guys do it every day. And not just to protect yourselves from the Philistines. You do it so you can have free education and health care and everything else. I'm just, I'm just, and then you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Christ. I'm afraid that's not being a Christian, and that's not being a follower of Christ, and it's not being a doer of the word. We need to repent. We need to do something completely different than what we've been doing. We need to start tending to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. We, in order to do that, you need to form congregations. You need to form those congregations so that you can efficiently tend to those matters. When you rejected God and elected, you know, Saul, God said, in the final analysis, yeah, you'll be taxed and taxed and taxed. He'll take the first fruits of your labor. He'll make his instruments of war. He'll make your sons run before his chariots. He'll turn your daughters into his confectionaries, his servants. All that's done already. That's done. Do you? You all got the T-shirt and you're using it to check the oil in your car. That's been going on for a 100 years. You're all a bunch of socialists. Repent. Make straight the way of the Lord. How do you do that? Form congregations. Start taking care of one another. Do faith, hope, and charity. And those congregations need to congregate with other congregations. Not with pseudo-religion. Not with things that make you feel good. That you do good. We're going to take calls in a minute. Uh, calls or uh, number is 414-395-2442. But first we're going to read. I'm going to do this in every show. We're going to read John 3. You know, because that's kind of my role, John the Baptist's role. Make straight the way of the Lord. So he talks about, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that we we gaze upon the Son of Man, we come in contact. Actually, that's what the word meant back when they... The, you didn't just look at the serpent, you were presented to the serpent. It wasn't really a serpent, it was uh, something else. We won't get into all that, but the fact is you had to actually touch it. And we have to actually do just like the lady touched the hem of the garment of Jesus Christ, but we have to have the faith to receive the Holy Spirit. If she didn't have the faith to receive the Holy Spirit and the faith to say, yes, I want to be led by the tree of life, by the Holy Spirit. If she didn't have that true willingness, not just say it, but really have an open heart to be led by that Holy Spirit. In order to do that, you have to see your sin. You have to be willing to face the light, to receive the light. 
she would not have been healed. Because the virtue would not have gone out of Jesus and ended her. When it went out of Jesus, it was replaced because he was tapped into an infinite supply in the grid of the kingdom of God. That's where he was plugged in. So it goes out and more comes in and fills it. In the kingdoms of the world, that doesn't work that way. And if you aren't receiving your daily charge of energy from your brother, you will feel drained and exhausted because you're not receiving the Holy Spirit. You see, this is... I hear this over and over again. People go to these meetings and they get all charged up. They're not plugging into God. You don't have to go to a meeting to plug into God. You don't have to go to a big uh, event to be plugged into God. You can be plugged into God anywhere. He's everywhere. And He energizes you. And nobody can drain you. They can't drain you. If evil comes up and tries to take your energy, it don't want your energy because your energy is the energy of God. And evil shuns God, flees God. I've seen this where judges will flee God, bow down to God. Government workers bow down to God because you're walking with God and you're in the garden. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't make that happen. But you can stop the Holy Spirit from coming into your heart. Because like Cain, you go out of the presence of God. Like Adam, you hide from the truth. That isn't the way it works. So, John 3.15, what's... Well, I keep saying what? That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. What must you do to attain eternal life? Keep the commandments. So saith Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So all you have to do is believe, right? But do you believe? Is what you are feeling real belief? For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, by the way, there the word world there is constitutional order or system of government, according to theirs. But that the world through him might be saved. Might be saved. Might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. How do you believe in the name? Do what he would do. Be the character of Christ. If you have that character of Christ in you, it's not hard to do what he would do. You are led to do what he is doing. You are drawn to do what he would do because you've accepted him in your heart. Really accepted him. Not in your emotions, but in your heart. And that's how we know you really believe is because you begin to bear the fruits of that belief. And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. What did Adam do? Flee. Turn away. Hid. Because he did not love the light. 
He did not love the truth. He loved the darkness. He loved the shadows. He makes, you know, he gathers his little group in the shadows. He talks about relationships with each other, but he only in his little group, his little city-state, his little congregation. He gathers them secretly from others. And then that first sign where he shows his hand, he draws them out into the wilderness. He separates them out. This is cultism. This is what cults do. First thing they do is separate you. Plan, create these bonds of emotionalism, and then separate you from all those that you once loved and love you still. This is the working of Satan. And he can enter into any of you and start working in there if you are not letting in the Holy Spirit. And what are the evidences of that? Sometimes short-tempered, sometimes angry, sometimes boastful. You see, these, these, are, these are the breadcrumbs of Satan leaving you and showing you the path that's leading you away. We are not leading anybody out into the wilderness. We are trying to lead you to the Holy Spirit so that you will begin to love that Holy Spirit and follow that Holy Spirit with your whole heart, mind, and soul. So, it looks like we've used up another hour. Aren't we having fun? We'll finish this and take calls immediately after returning to Keys of the Kingdom. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. If you'd like to get a copy of this program, you may subscribe at libertyradiolive.com for only $45 a month. And you'll receive an MP3 CD weekly of all the First Amendment Rights Media Group programs. As a bonus, we'll send you a password for our audio archives online. That's a $15 value. Or you can request any month of any program on one MP3 CD for a minimum donation of only $20. For any single program on tape, MP3 CD, or CD for only $15. You can do all this online at LibertyRadioLive.com. Just follow the instructions to make a donation or subscribe. Don't do Internet? Then call 559-781-3773, 559-781-3773, and we'll be honored to help you. Thank you from all of us here at the First Amendment Rights Media Group. Fight the fight. 
We are here to equip you. Because you love the truth, LibertyRadioLive.com. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, we're going to have a fall retreat out here in the latter days of September, first part of October next year. Uh, we refer to it as the Bernie Bush Festival. Uh, it is really the counter-counter culture, and it is to commemorate the normal Feast of Booths, and not only to commemorate it, but to implement the same purposes of the Feast of Booths, which was to bring congregations and members of congregations and ministers of congregations together and to be an outreach to the people round about us because you were not just supposed to go yourself, but even invite the strangers. And so we're going to invite the strangers. In order to do that, uh, we need to have a little bit of what strangers think is important, which is entertainment. And uh, it needs to be a rewarding experience, not only in fellowship, but it also in uh, uh, learning things, skills, abilities, and a lot of campfire talks, hopefully, and lots of good food. Uh, I don't know if we'll have it ready. We're, we're hoping to raise our own fish here. Uh, I don't know if they'll be big enough to fry. We'll probably have some <laughs> available by then. Uh, but uh, uh, we'll have lots of meat, good, wholesome meat. Uh, and uh, But what we really need is people who come with the Spirit of God to share with others who may be strangers to what that Spirit of God is all about. And that's about keeping the commandments, honoring your agreements, uh, not coveting your neighbor's goods, not trying to exercise authority one over the other, trying to tend to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. We are in a lawless society. It is chaos in the, the systems of the courts today. You don't know what you're going to get. Somebody would just, uh, was going to fly down to Mexico. A friend of one of my sons was going to fly down to Mexico and they drove all the way, I think, to Salt Lake City to pick up, a, a, get on a plane and fly to Mexico. They had their passport all ready to go, and they showed their passport, and the airport said, no, that passport's only good if you want to drive into Mexico. You, it isn't any good if you want to fly into Mexico. And they wouldn't let her get on the plane. She couldn't leave the country. I know somebody else who didn't have a birth certificate and uh, they applied for a uh, uh, passport. They can't get one. They don't have a birth certificate. It seems the only thing you can do without a birth certificate today is you can be the president of the United States. <laughs> you can't. You can't get a passport, so you can't leave the country unless you sneak across the border. I'm sure there's lots of places to do that. You know, I, I could just see the border police arresting you as you're sneaking across the border into Mexico and they're not arresting the guys coming this way but they'll arrest you trying to go out <laughs> you are in a prison camp you are back in bondage you are in a snare and the leaders and rulers and bureaucrats of that system are becoming lawless but that's what you deserve 
because you were lawless. When were you lawless? When you thought it was okay to go to public school and force your neighbor to pay for your education at the point of a gun. You were coveting your neighbor's goods when you were doing that. When you joined a social security system that was going to force your neighbor to pay for your needs when you were old or indigent. You see, you don't deposit money in your social security system. That What you pay in, that's your Corbin, that's your sacrifice to take care of the needy in your day. And what and what you receive back from that later on is what somebody else paid in to take care of your needs. The problem is you're not following the path that John the Baptist talked about, the straight way, the way that operates by faith, hope, and charity. You are doing the antithesis of what Christ said to do, to love your neighbor as yourself. What you do is force your neighbor as you... And now you are being forced as you chose to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. And that is why you're snared. And you should be snared. And you should be under tribute. And you should not be free until you repent and make straight the way of the Lord. And you haven't made straight the way of the Lord until you are in congregations that are in congregations of congregations that are taking care of all the social welfare of your community, of your society. Until you're doing that, until you're striving daily to do that, and to come together, not divide out, not to secretly separate out based on questionable theologies and not really all that sound doctrine. Until you do that, you should be under tribute, you will be under tribute, and you will be under and out in the wilderness under the authority of Philistines. That's where you're headed. That's where you're going. And when you cry out, God will not hear you because you have not gone the straight way of the Lord. So anyway, I don't know if there's any calls coming. I tried to look at the chat room. There's a lot of going on in the chat room. There's a chat room with this radio station, and there's people in there talking. Um, if there has been questions, I didn't see them. <laughs> there is one question there. Okay, what is that? It says, Brother G, recently a gathering of a few members were where people talked about God speaking to them and telling them what to do. How do you know if you're hearing the Holy Spirit speaking or if it's what's in your head speaking to you? Well, for one thing, I never hear voices in my head, so I'm not sure what they're talking about, if that's what they're saying. Uh, I I do hear guys saying that they actually hear an audible voice. The only time I ever heard an audible voice, it wasn't God. <laughs> and uh, immediately when I questioned it, uh, it screamed and flashed. So <laughs> I didn't question it. I, I questioned whether it was, is that of God? Uh, then I heard the same voice scream and flee, and I've never heard it since. Uh, but I do have an inner compass that guides me, and it's really kind of an invisible guidance. I mean, this is the thing that thinking in the spirit is not thinking in the head. And the message comes in the spirit before it ever gets anywhere near the head, and it's always dangerous when it goes through the head because it filters it through all of our prejudices. But the reality is is that uh, uh, we have a lot of things that will help guide us as to whether we're really, and, and one of those is the fruits of what we're doing, you know. Uh, it, the Holy Spirit is not going to tell you to dishonor agreements. The Holy Spirit is not going to tell you to... Uh, 
to uh, abandon your responsibilities. The Holy Spirit is not going to, like there was some father who uh, uh, recently uh, took his, I think his two-year-old child or small child and and put her in a pond or something when she was in a car seat and drowned her and then fled. The Holy Spirit's not going to tell you to do those things. Now, that's obvious that that's not the Holy Spirit, but there are other things that are less subtle. Uh, the fact is there's no gimmick to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. If you want to deceive yourself into thinking that you're following the Holy Spirit, you will. And there's nothing we can do to convince you otherwise if you don't want to be convinced. We can we can lead a Christian to knowledge, but we can't make them think. We they you cannot force them to to see the truth. They, but what will happen, the more you manifest the truth, the more they will want to get away from you. And the more they will want to shun you. That they, That's a good sign. You know, somebody said recently that uh, if you're getting a lot of flack, that means you're over the target. Uh, but the reality is that's a, yeah, it's an old saying, and it has a certain amount of truth to it. But the reality is, is that when you're really walking with the Holy Spirit, others will flee. They will try to get away. But we have a lot of guidelines, uh, you know, it, and, you know, we could talk about it forever and never hit the particular subject, but uh, uh, but what are they doing? What is the Holy Spirit telling them to do? We do have intellectual uh, reading of the Bible, and the fact is there is no substitute for really humbly. If you really humbly want to accept that character of Christ, the true character of Christ, one thing, here is an example. You won't be afraid of conflict. You won't be afraid to speak the truth. You won't be afraid to rebuke your brother if you think he's doing wrong. You won't be easily upset. You won't be, people won't make you angry. They won't drain you. you you'll be at peace. You know, one of the sayings I always told my kids is, when in doubt, don't. Don't do things that you're, you're, you doubt. A lot of times people will, the Holy Spirit will guide them and say, do this. But he's just going to whisper. It's a still, small voice. That's what the Bible says. He's not going to be shouting at you. It's a still, small voice. And he's saying, you know, do this. And you're saying, all of a sudden you find yourself saying, no, I don't need to do that. Uh, why would I want to do that? And... You know, it's actually almost in those terms. You're, you're thinking in those terms. And I say, well, who, who are you talking to? Because the Holy Spirit, you don't necessarily hear his voice, but he just kind of leads you. He's kind of shining a light on the path. So this, You know, I've literally been up in the Canadian Northwoods where, I mean, we didn't know where we were. There was no, couldn't see any stars or sun or anything. It was just cloudy and and uh, we didn't know where we were. We were completely turned around, and we couldn't find our path back. And I said, oh, okay. And I just literally turned 360 degrees until I felt like this was a good way to go. And we went that way. And it took us hours and hours to get to where we were. But to get back, it didn't take us, you know, it took us about an hour and 15, hour and a half to get back. And we, first time we saw the vehicle, that we were looking for 
it was directly in front of us by 100 feet. That was the, the woods was so thick you couldn't see 100 feet normally. I could see little glimpses of that blue Jeep. And we went straight to it. And I went, uh, on going back, we couldn't follow any, we weren't following any path. And there were swamps and there were things we had to go around, so we had to change direction slightly. But we went directly back and came out of that woods right at our car. I mean, right smack straight to it like an arrow. And we had we saw no markers where we knew where we were at. And all I was doing is just kind of turning and feeling in the, in my chest. That feels like a good way to go. And it brought us right to where we had to go. I've done this navigation at sea at night with no lights <laughs> through uh, shoals and just. Uh, this feels like I should turn a little bit this way. <laughs> now, I'm not boasting, but you ask, what? how does the Holy Spirit lead you? It leads you in peace. It leads you in a path of righteousness. It's not going to lead you in unrighteousness. And uh, so anyway, I don't know if that helps them. Uh, uh, I didn't. I didn't even see that question come out. <laughs> but uh, I can't read and talk at the same time. Uh, if I had dumb, yeah. I'd be in trouble. What was that? That's why you have me here. Yeah, that's why I have you. <laughs> Good for that's Paul. Paul's a great co-host. He's every once in a while I hear him. Uh, I hear that uh, that uh, the the lady, my co-host on Freedomizer, uh, is ill. I hope she gets better by this afternoon. So, uh, anyway, uh, uh, she's a little bit under the weather. I don't know if something's caught up on her. I saw that. I think I read that in the in the chat room there. But uh, there's another Cheryl. There's another question when you get a chance. Okay. Um, someone apparently has seen I H S on the cross, and they're wondering what that stands for. Yeah, that's. Uh, it could I was trying to think of what that actually stands for uh, uh, technically on the cross it said this is the king of the Jews and the word for Jews there would begin with an I and I used to know what that was <laughs> and I, maybe I can come up with that answer a little bit later but I was actually forming a mental block I could not quite see uh, uh, what that was I think the second word is hegios but uh, I can't remember but it actually isn't what was written on the cross and I, that's one of my pet peeves is that whenever you see a crucifix they always have this little board up there it looks like somebody you know found a piece of scrap wood uh, that was run over by a dump truck or something and they scratched three letters on it and they put that up there and it's very clear in the biblical text that this was uh a royal proclamation uh, that came straight down from Pontius Pilate that this is the king of the Jews it was written in three languages uh, customarily that would have been written on ebony wood that would have been very expensive sign uh, and the ebony wood was covered in a white plaster uh, ebony very hard wood and then they cut away the plaster uh, in a very ornate way and they write in three languages and this is uh, you know, in certain kinds of Roman letters, that this is the King of the Jews. Uh, a lot of people thought, well, Jesus never existed. There was no Pontius Pilate. There's actually been uh, historians that try to say that this is all made up and all those kind of stuff. 
And then a number of years ago, they were turning over stones that were used as steps uh, in Jerusalem, and they turned over one, and it had an inscription to Pontius Pilate, the procurator, <laughs> on the stone uh, that had been there. They just simply used this old stone. So uh, I'll have to... I can't quite remember what the actual letters, but it wasn't what was written on there. That's That comes from some... Uh, Roman Church it's a doctrine somewhere uh, doctrine and I think that's actually the same letters that you'll find in the Jesuit symbol uh, you know of, of the uh, Ignatius uh, Society uh, you know, they have the IHS I think that's what's on their symbol I I can't remember their symbol exactly it's not my symbol so anyway <laughs> I'm not a Jesuit <laughs> uh, lots of people they they say oh that's they're Jesuit learning the Jesuits actually rejected me I tried to go to a Jesuit school once and they refused to let me in and I thought that was astounding because my grades were way above average but uh, for some reason I think you know I th- that's another thing about the Holy Spirit going back to the other question is that the Holy Spirit when it's working when you're following it it's working on your behalf you know we see the Bible say that God hardened the heart of the Pharaoh. Why? Well, the people needed to learn something, so he wasn't going to let the people go uh, so that they had the time during these hard times to learn what they had forgotten. And that's what Americans and, and Australians and everybody and all the people who want to be real Christians need to do is learn what they were learning during those hard times. And, and fortunately, thank God we're about to have hard times. <laughs> So we're going to have a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to learn what we have forgotten, which was the ways of the kingdom. Because if you don't learn the ways of the kingdom, you're in a lot of trouble. I mean, you're in a lot, a lot of trouble. But if you do learn the ways of the kingdom and you learn to follow that Holy Spirit, God is making a provision for you. God is preparing a place for you. And he will lead you to that place. You can't cheat God. You can't say, yeah, I accept you, Lord, and really not mean it. And then you fool God. Oh, I thought they really meant it. You can fool me, but you can't fool God. And uh, that's what's happening already, is that people who have tried to fool God, it's not working. And those who you really have faith, I mean real faith, are going to be led in a certain direction, and they're going to find their way to those shoals. They weren't rocky shoals. They were sandy shoals. It was down in the Bahamas uh, where I was following the Holy Spirit, guiding the boat at night without any lights. <laughs> it, was, it was really stormy, too. I mean, it wasn't hurricane force winds, but there was some pretty big swells, and here I go trying to get in. Our, our boat was leaking. Our sailboat was leaking, and we had to get to harbor. <laughs> And so we had to go in at night without even charts or anything. And so we just followed the Holy Spirit, and we did pretty good. Uh, we didn't we didn't hit anything bad, but uh, but anyway, uh, any other questions, or should we give out the telephone number again? Yeah, why don't we? I've do got that? A, yeah, I've got to memorize this number. I've I've, I've written it down again. <laughs> Four one. I thought I had it. Okay, go ahead, Paul. You give it. 414-395-2442. 
That would be 2HHC if you like the letters on the number phone. Yeah. So, yeah, what does HHC stand for? You know, one of the things, uh, His Holy Church, you know, we were looking for some name to set up a website. And we told this to many people. His Holy Church is not a corporate enterprise of Brother Gregory. Uh, it's not corporate at all. It's what it's, it's a phrase that describes what Christ did. And church, of course, is representative today of the original Greek word, or at least if we're only going to go back to the Greek and not all the way back to the Aramaic, uh, of ecclesia, which doesn't mean just assembly, but a called out assembly. And of course, that's what the apostles were. They were called out. That's what the Levites were. They were called out. That's why we see the phrase, the church in the wilderness, which is the ecclesia in the wilderness, which were the the Levites, the ministers of God's kingdom. They are the titular leaders of God's government. They are the ones you go to if you need benefits, but they are the benefactors who do not exercise authority. And, of course, they have nothing to give you except what your brothers choose to give them to give you. And we've shown how the first century church set this up and spelled this out. And uh, now, if, if there's a call, you just go ahead and interrupt me, Paul. Okay. Uh, uh, but uh, we don't want any dead air time, so I'll just ramble. <laughs> but uh, the early church, these ministers were chosen by the people, but appointed by the apostles, because the apostles were the princes, not just ambassadors, but the princes of the kingdom. But they couldn't exercise authority one over the other. The kingdom wasn't appointed to everybody. It was appointed to the apostles. And the apostles appointed jobs to other people. Well, who did they appoint? They didn't decide for themselves who to appoint. They asked the people, who do you pick? So we do that. Two people pick a minister, and they make a record of that. And that minister picks someone to be the apostolic overseer of what they are doing. Now, there's a reason to do that. If that minister were to die and he was holding property that belonged to Christ, whether it's land or a dollar bill or uh, a piece of machinery or, uh, you know, a stick. I don't care what it is, but it was given to him for the purposes of Christ, but he died. Who gets that? You need to have a chain of responsibility. Not a ruler, but a chain of responsibility. So that he, that overseer goes to the known congregational members and say, who do you want to be this minister? And then somebody volunteers. And if they don't want any minister, fine. He can take that property and give it to some other minister who he has already recognized and recognized him. And if we're doing what we say and congregating together in faith, hope, and charity, there will be many such congregations that we can bless. In the days ahead, you can see how important this is. There will be people gathering as part of the kingdom and saying, yeah, I will receive the gifts you want to give to Christ for his kingdom, and I will manage them. And the people say, oh, I believe him, and they give to him. But he's an Ananias. He's not true. He's not going to remain faithful. He's deceived them. He hasn't deceived God. Ananias didn't deceive God. Ananias didn't deceive the Holy Spirit. And Ananias was struck dead. What happened to the money that he laid at the foot of the apostles? They just used it for the good of others. They didn't take it under false pretenses. They used it for the good of others, and they gave it to the other congregations. 
and God send them out. We don't have to rule over anybody. We don't have to send men to beat anybody up. We just pray to the Holy Spirit. And that just as the Holy Spirit will part the seas and provide us with a path, they will also provide us with the means by which to travel that path. But it's kind of like Peter stepping out of the boat onto water, hoping that it would support him, believing that it would support him. And there was some faith there. But then he doubted for a moment, you know, because this faith, this faith thing takes a lot of practice. <laughs> and when and people doubt and he fell through the water, we have to be willing to put our hand out and help somebody back up. But they have to repent. They have to receive that help. And what you'll find is people fleeing that help. And they will go out and drown. And it's a shame. And, and we should pray that they repent and not go out and drown. Because the world wants to drown you in its religiosity, in its, uh, its false doctrines. It's doctrines that say, you know, the Holy Spirit told me that I could dishonor my agreements with you. The Holy Spirit said that I could take whatever I wanted to take. Because the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit said that I can, you know, turn Christ in and kiss him on the cheek. And be a Judas. And the Holy Spirit said, I'm not a Judas if I do this. <laughs> and they're fooling themselves. And so you see the signs of that foolishness. Fear. Unwillingness to speak up. Oh, I saw that he was doing something wrong, but I didn't want to cause any friction, so I didn't want to say anything that would might uh, upset him. So I just let him drive over the cliff. That's, the, that's not the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is going to be Johnny on the spot. If there's something that they think is wrong, they're going to speak up and say, I, I think this is wrong. And and maybe it is wrong. And the person says, oh, oh well, I, I see your point. Or maybe you're wrong in thinking that he's wrong. And the person says, no, this is the way it is. And you say, oh, I thought that was wrong, but I, I kind of see your point. You're not going to get to those agreements. You're not going to get to those relationships that come with such conflict if you're not willing to have the conflict. You don't have a relationship with each other in the pew. This is one of the great dangers and fallacies is that you can sit in the pew and think loving thoughts about the people in the pew next to you. You don't want to actually discuss anything that might cause controversy. We don't want to bring any controversy into the church. But Jesus said, I come to bring a sword. A sword of what? A sword of controversy. I'm going to divide brother against brother. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to divide them. Because some of your brothers are goats. Only some of your brothers are sheep. You're not a brother because you signed some paper. You're not a brother because you showed up in the same room. You're not a brother because you said the same words. You're a brother because you have the same father. And the father sent Jesus to be a controversy, to create conflict between good and evil so that you could see the difference. Because you can't see the difference now because you're not living by the tree of life. You've been living by the tree of knowledge for a thousand years, for 
2,000, 4,000, 5,000 years. You need to repent. And so God sends these prophets, sends his son to create controversy. Stop being afraid of conflict and controversy. You bury the truth. You put your light under a bushel basket. Oh, if if I shine my light, they might be upset. Oh my goodness! I'm I'm not here to tickle your ears. I'm not here to make you feel good about your foolishness. I'm here to smack you upside the side of the head with truth. I'm here to kick you in your rear end and say, make straight the way of the Lord. I actually don't kick you, despite what Scott says. I don't actually beat anybody up. <laughs> I know Scott's there in the chat room. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not talking behind Scott's back, but he, he sent a post off saying that when I was there visiting him one time that I had really beat him up. But we talked about it just yesterday on the phone. Uh, and I said, you made me sound so mean. <laughs> but I'm just dealing with, you know, the truth. And But he appreciated it. That's good. That's a good sign. But the people who are afraid of conflict, afraid that somebody might actually say something that's a disagreement, we should all be loving each other and hugging each other. What are we, a bunch of prostitutes? So call in now with your conflicts. Yeah, call in now with your conflict. You got a conflict, call in. I'm ready. Make my day. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com The Greatest Prophecy DVD Across the Border Productions. Embrace the little known but greatest prophecy given by the great high priest. The pre-incarnate Messiah reveals God's once secret plan for mankind. Believe it. Behold, the end times in Daniel chapter 2, because the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof sure. It is the key to prophecy future. Comprehend the seven-year great tribulation deception. Be not deceived. Understand the great prophecy delusion, because if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Be forewarned. America in prophecy, exposed for all to see. The mark of the beast, no, it's not a biochip. A much better and more secure technology is already here, and you are already using it. We will bonus you with a free copy of Richard Bennett's DVD, The Inquisition, when you send a support donation of $25 to First Amendment Radio. Visit the shopping page at our website or send $25 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue. 
Tulare, California, 93274. Make copies and give them away. Send $25 cash or $3250 U.S. for international priority mail. That's First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue. Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. A wise man is forewarned and prepares for the time to come. The Greatest Prophecy DVD. Now listen to me. The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government takeover of the church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Oh, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. If you want to know what IHS is supposed to mean, <laughs> it's actually a Latin phrase. Uh... Jesus hominum salvator, which is supposed to mean Jesus, Savior of men. And, of course, that's not what it says on the cross according to the Bible. It said, this is the king of the Jews. So whoever started putting the IHS on there was probably not led by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) (laughs) The HS isn't Holy Spirit. (laughs) We have a caller. Okay, we have a caller. Hello. Can you Hello, hear me? Hi. Yeah, we can hear you. You hi. have a question? Um, well, I I kind of do. It has to do with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our creator, correct? Yeah, it's his Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit as the comforter, and he's going to send the comforter. Uh, so it's really... Uh, you know, I equated it earlier uh, in this show and the show before as uh, uh, as the tree of life. It is our connection uh, with God the Father. It, so it is Him. It's, it's a direct uh, plug-in point with God the Father. So I, okay. I, that's one way of describing it. Okay, and so that's the tree of life. This tree of the knowledge of good and evil has me a little bit confused. Because what I'm trying to figure out is how Satan has a right to be in our mind like the Creator, Holy Spirit, has. What gives Satan the right to have those thoughts in our mind? Is that not something from God, is it? Well, it's actually us that gives him that right. I always tell people, you know, know, in folklore they talk about... uh, Vampires that you never invite a vampire into your home. Once you invite him in, then he has power and control. And I, I say the same thing. 
that same principle that you see in folklore is true. You you invite Satan in. You should not be conversing. You know, Eve should have never been conversing with him. She didn't have to converse with him, communicate with him. You know, this is why things like seances and things like that are dangerous. You're inviting communication with elements that you have no power or control over, and you can invite all kinds of bad things in. Uh, we tell people we never invite anybody out here. If God is inviting you, come. If God is not inviting you, don't come. <laughs> well, then but, if, if he's in your mind and you want to ask him to leave with your mind, is that just it's a physical versus spiritual is not really a... Well, what you're supposed to see, you're asking him, uh, you're back to conversation with him. And I'm pointing this out, so it's it's a perspective. It's a you know, there's a principle involved here. What are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And I'll tell you, I mentioned it earlier in the show, so I'll mention it here quick. Uh, many years ago, when I had already left the seminary and was trying to figure out what was the real answer, and I, I prayed about it, I meditated upon it, this idea. In other words, I got still and quiet and pondered it. And one night when I was laying there being very still, uh, dark in the room and everything, all of a sudden I heard this voice, literally heard a voice in my head say, Go to God. And it, it stunned me, it shook me, you know, like, because, you know, I didn't hear voices very often. <laughs> I was like, what is that, you know? And my question, there's always been a place in me that I kind of turn to on my right side, and I kind of look over there, uh, and my head kind of, and I ask, it's, what is this? I want to know an answer. I really want to know the answer, and this is the key. If you really want to know the answer in your spirit, is this of God? Is this righteousness? Is this is this the Holy Spirit? You know, how, how do you word it? It's not a wording because I'm well, not really speaking over here on the side. I'm looking, wanting to know. Suddenly the same voice I heard scream as if, you know, you just smacked it with a hot iron or something. And that scream faded away in the distance as if it was falling, and my impression was like falling into a pit. I still didn't know what I had experienced just then, but that was, you know, that's a description of the experience. But the reality is I didn't converse, uh, start talking with this voice saying, well, are you of God? Because <laughs> if that's the devil, he's not going to tell you the truth. You don't look there. You look to this still small voice. You know, remember the, that in the Old Testament where the prophet is sitting there and trying, is it the thunder? Is it this voice in your head? Is it whatever? No, it's this still small voice. Well, the, the term voice and the ter word still are contradictory terms because a, a voice, a sound, is actually vibrating and it's not still. If it's still, there's no noise. So it's, but it's a spiritual voice in your heart. Uh, that you hear it and in your mind that you hear it the tree of knowledge is you deciding that nothing wrong with the tree of knowledge until you use that knowledge to determine right and wrong think of your brain and all the dendrites in your brain as this tree and there's, there's a picture uh, on uh, on the web that floats around of uh, 
you know, where it shows this tree and it actually forms the inside of a brain of a person's head. And that's the tree of the knowledge. And when we not stop looking to the spiritual connection to God, this tree of life, this Holy Spirit, and start deciding for ourselves intellectually what is right and wrong, that's when we're, we start getting into trouble. And, and everybody does that. And everybody's being tempted to do that to one degree or another. And, of course, that's what we're repenting and starting going back to God. And that's a spiritual choice. Uh, and it manifests itself in our doing and in, in often what we say. But what we say is got to come out of that spirit of doing. I don't know. Am I losing you or am I helping you at all? <laughs> well, no, it does. I, it helps. I, I just, so if, if, like some people say, get thee behind me, Satan, because that's what our Lord instructed. Yeah, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of our approach. It's basically what you're saying is, I'm not talking to you. Get ye behind me. I'm facing towards the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm looking to the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you get by. You don't want to turn around and converse with him. You don't even turn around. You don't even look back. You just, I, I'm not talking to you. Well, can and, he read yeah. our mind? Like uh, evil? Well, actually, he can read your mind, but I can tell you how you can cut him off. He hates the light. He, if if you receive, if you are genuinely humbling yourself before God, and that, that's, a, that's a lifetime project, uh, and you're letting that Holy Spirit in, and you turn, really turn towards the, God with humility and, and uh, submission to God, and let Him in with the Spirit of God, which is a spirit of love and creation and giving life to others. You see, this is why we see these patterns of, if you want the Holy Spirit more in your life, you have to give life to others. And you have, and giving life doesn't mean just giving them everything they want or think they need, but giving them life is freeing them from need and the return to need. But anyway, when you start letting that Holy Spirit in, Satan will flee. And people, Satan enters into people all the time. Sometimes he's just there as an influence. Sometimes he's really very much in control of that person. Almost every thought to his minions. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you don't play their game, you don't argue with them on their level. And, and I've had to do this where I didn't say a word back to the person. I just walked up to them with love in my heart. And they literally were jumping over furniture to get out of the room. And I'm just standing there smiling at him. And what, and I, I explained to somebody later, I says, what you saw there was casting out demons. Except that that fellow didn't want the demon to go away. So when the demon fled, he had to flee with him. He never came back. He just, he left his stuff there, everything. He just ran out of the room, jumping over the chairs. He couldn't get out fast enough. And, uh, and he was, you know, ranting and raving before that. And that's casting out demons. I didn't do a darn thing. I didn't do anything but let God take over. Because I looked to God for, uh, there was no verbal answer. This is a spree, uh, cheat, um, 
getting tongue tied. A street preacher, and uh, he loves arguing. Uh, he's on the web. Uh, people talk about how he is such a spiritual bully, and just loves arguing. But all I did is just stand there, smiling at him, with my arms open, almost like a hug. You know, they're down a little bit. They weren't quite out to the side, but uh, he just fled. It just he looked down at the floor, bent way down. So his head, he's taller than me, but he bent way down so his head was lower than my chest. And then he turned the other way and he ran out of the room, jumping over the chairs. And and some people saw it and were amazed, and some people saw it and, what, what's going on? They couldn't figure it out. <laughs> but that demon wasn't fleeing me. I don't have any power to make him flee. He was fleeing the Holy Spirit because I stepped back and let the Holy Spirit take over. What the devil wants you to do is he wants you to try to take over. He wants to appeal to your vanity. You you argue with me. You convince me. You challenge me. You uh, you fight with me. He loves... Resist not evil. You don't play their game on their level. And it's... There's a lot of... You know, he's very tricky. You you cannot prepare yourself, but you can be prepared by the Holy Spirit. And so it's often all the other things you do. You make your life a life of service, not to other people, but to God, and that will sometimes appear as service to other people. Sometimes it will appear that you're just a meanie and rebuking people and stomping on them with your hard toe boots, but you're, you're actually just you're trying to bless them. And sometimes that truth hurts a little bit. <laughs> But anyway, does that help? Yeah, yeah. Do you have? Did you want to follow up with any more on that question, or can well, we, I don't understand the how. I guess because he's an accuser, that gives him the right, and God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, all answer that accusation, and so therefore, with this knowledge of the tree of good and evil, he he allows God allows the adversary access to our mind because yeah, to, to some degree he has access to our mind but it's partly the testing you know we think of you know the present governmental systems of the world that are so totalitarian I mean thousands and thousands millions and millions of people have died at their hands and we think now, how could God let this happen well we're letting it happen because we're not letting God into our hearts but God allow if the, God did not allow evil to come into the world and test us, how could we ever come to the full knowledge of His power? And the the powers of the world have no power except what we give them. But they many of us give them power, and so they're going about. Yeah, you know, I, I've told this story before, but I was in a courtroom and I saw a judge yell at a lady who was really trying to be nice, and he was just being an absolute bum, and he just screamed at her and was so unjust and unfair, it incensed me. I had been sitting there very calm, but when he yelled at that woman, I was incensed. I judged the judge. I thought that was cruel, and I mean, she was trembling. She, I mean, she was to the point where she could actually fall on over. She was so, she was already nervous, and she hadn't done anything wrong. She was a nice lady, a good lady, 
but the judge was actually covering up a criminal activity that some other judges and lawyers were stealing some property, and that's what the, the, one of the ways in which they were co, uh, coercing uh, this theft that was going on. But uh, anyway, uh, I was incensed. As soon as I was incensed and began to judge of myself, my own knowledge, deciding that he was wicked, asserting my judgment, I'm now playing in the field of Satan. And all the police that were well, not all of them, but several of them, there was quite a few in the courtroom, uh, some in plain clothes, uh, were standing along the side. They looked over at me. I'm way away from her. I haven't done anything. I didn't move anywhere. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't stand up. I didn't say anything. But they all of a sudden looked at me. And I real and they looked at me, and you, you look in their eyes, they were extremely angry. And uh, what I was actually seeing is the spirit that is controlling them. And I, what I realized is I suddenly became visible to the evil that was already in that courtroom. As soon as I became calm again, they didn't look at me again. Uh, they never looked in my direction again until later on when the judge was... Uh, was actually was showing me how far this can go where the judge was actually bowing down to the presence of the Holy Spirit so much so that his head was bowing below his desk <laughs> below the, the cover on the front of his desk uh, because uh, evil cannot stand in the presence of light that is our defense and God allows evil in the world so that we will choose the light we will see the darkness over here, and we will see the light over there, and we choose the light. And when you choose the light, darkness flees. You know, that that's a really good analogy to help you get a grasp of this. Darkness, evil, they're equated with each other. Darkness is the absence of light. It doesn't shine. Evil has no power. Evil depends on a vacuum, the absence of the light. When you receive the light, Evil disappears. You won't hear the devil anymore. You won't you won't converse anymore. But we're not there yet. We're we're moving in that direction, but it's an infinite journey. And so uh, just turn towards the light. Go to the light. Go to the righteousness. Seek the righteousness of God in everything you do, in all the little things you do. And you know, if I said it, so I, I will do it. You know. And if I forget to do it because of the failing of the human mind, you just have to forgive me. But I, if I have made a commitment to do something, I have to keep my word and, and follow that commitment out. That's a characteristic of Christ. That's a characteristic of God. And so those are signs that we're following the Holy Spirit. If the Spirit in us is rationalizing that we don't have to keep our word... <laughs> That's probably not the Holy Spirit you're talking to. So anyway, I hope that helps. I don't know if there's any other questions or. Well, it, it, so basically, he allows it. That is that by design or not? That's well, he. Created uh, you know, well, everything is by God's design. Uh, he he's allowing choice because you cannot have real love without choice. Love has to be a choice. It's not a chemical reaction. It's not automatic. It's not compelled. It has to be by choice. And when you give that choice, 
in this amazing creation of mankind and, and the spirit realm as well, where they have a choice. And it's a choice in the spirit. It's not an intellectual choice. It's a choice in the spirit, which is hard for a lot of people to fathom. And you just have to keep seeking the kingdom to understand it. That allows for real love, you know, because he is, God has a choice. And so therefore we're made in his image, so therefore we must have a choice. And so he, because he gives us his choice, evil is allowed to... Another analogy is every time when Adam sinned, instead of falling down and admitting his sin, he hid from his sin. And we do that every day. We hide from the truth about our error. We create a shadow in our own hearts, in our own soul. We create a shadow that we won't look at that because we don't want to admit we made an error. So now there's a shadow in our spirit. And that shadow, we don't look in there. We don't go in that room of our consciousness. And once we have that shadow we place in there, evil loves the shadows. And he will come in and exercise his influence. Now, when evil, when we sense evil is trying to exercise influence, where is he coming from? How is he getting in there? He's getting into the shadows of our own heart. We need to take a look at ourselves and let the light in. And there's many different layers and levels. You know, uh, the kingdom of heaven is within you. And in my Father's house, there are many mansions. There are many rooms. And we have to let Christ, the light of Christ, the truth, into every room of our being. And the more we do that, the less place the devil has. If God just simply, if Christ just simply casts out a demon, another example, he, he warns you. That if you don't let the light into that room where I cast out the demon, more demons are going to come back in there, and it's going to be worse with you the second time. So we have to constantly be seeking that light in everything that we do, every little thing, the way we take care of our children, the way we take care of our neighbor, the way we honor our agreement. We have to look at that, the way we handle money, the way we handle business. Um uh, Every one of those things, we have to be seeking righteousness in that. If we don't, we create darkness in our own hearts, in our own spirit. And I'll tell you, that's where disease comes in a lot. Is because in that darkness, other influences, other identities can start having influence over us. It could be our neighbor. You know, I, I once was uh, scolding my kids. I was upset with something they were doing, and I was scolding them. And all of a sudden, I heard my fourth grade teacher Mrs. Powers, speaking to my voice. <laughs> I had a problem with Mrs. Powers. I liked her a lot, but she was very unjust at times. I don't know, maybe uh, it was part of her uh, personality. And I realized that I was still harboring that resentment for Miss Powers, you know, 30 years later. <laughs> and now I'm taking it out on my kids, and I repented of that. But uh, uh, that's what happens. We don't learn how to forgive people in the past and we begin to repeat those things because a shadow of who they are remains in us the scars of what they've done to us remains there and it never heals over it's a festering wound because we don't want to look at it so that's another level on which we can deal with this and uh, you'll be uh, you know when Satan comes and you turn towards the light you'll hear him screaming and fleeing the light because he cannot take the light but as soon as you start operating on his level 
being unjust, unrighteous, not uh, tending to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith, then you're in his ballpark now. You're on the menu. Then he's, you know, he's, he can get you and eat you up. <laughs> but if, if you follow the Holy Spirit, you don't taste good. He can't even go near you. So those are the analogies. And again, I'm talking about spiritual things. And so you have to convert this into a, the spiritual reality of our own life. And it's not simply an intellectual reference. So I hope that helps. Okay, thank you. Thank you for your call. God bless. Bless. So anyway, we're getting to uh, almost to the end of the hour. They go fast. Yeah, this is fast. <laughs> <laughs> it helps with the audience participation, don't, so don't be shy. Yes, it does. I, and I, I, I don't know why we don't have all those contact ministers and PCMs and Moore's calling... <laughs> but we gave her, I don't know who that was, but uh, I should have asked her her first name or something, but I didn't recognize the voice. But but anyway, um, maybe she's in the chat room. She can let us know. But we need to come together. We don't need people who divide us. But we need to come together with the Holy Spirit, and that will draw the right people. Uh, everybody should be the right people, because God wants everybody to be saved. That's why his son came, that we all might be saved. But might is the operating word there. We have to repent. We have to turn away from the unjust ways of the world. Not just get out of the world, but we have to get the world out of us. And that means we have to be open. We have to be honest. We have to be forthright, even if it creates conflict. You know, we should not be malicious, and if we are malicious... At times when we catch ourselves or somebody catches us, we should test up and then repent and turn around and keep seeking uh, the kingdom. As one person said, uh, uh, never, well, they didn't say never give up, never surrender, but they did. <laughs> I can't remember the first part that they said. Now I only remember the other paraphrase. But anyway, for those who want to see us this afternoon, get on org and find out the other radio broadcasts. And we'll see you there. And we'll see you next week on Keys of the Kingdom. Thanks, Paul. You're welcome. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.